right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. I think we've got a really cool episode in the books, no pun intended, uh, for you today. Uh, we are going to be uh, talking with Rusty Williams uh, about his book, Doubt on Trial, an agnostic, an agnostic minister's case for questioning the Bible. So right up my alley. Uh, so let's go ahead and read the back of the book. It says, a minister encouraging readers to question passages in the New Testament. While most pa uh, pastors defend the books of the New Testament, this book encourages you to ask questions about them. A member of the clergy suggesting doubts are good and should be embraced. While most church leaders steer members away from their doubts, this book suggests you th uh, thoughtfully consider them. Sacred texts written, written decades after the death of Jesus in a language neither he nor his followers spoke became the books that make up the New Testament. Copies of manuscripts that included uh, additions, deletions, and mistakes made their way through the earliest, uh, earliest stages of the Christian church to become the accepted canon of scripture. Since that time, Christian apologists have defended problematic passages that, uh, that aren't openly discussed until now. Now, doubt has a voice. Doubt has a say. In a hypothetical trial where the, uh, where the church wants to sentence doubt to death, many of the mistakes, contradictions, historical conflicts... Uh, let's start that one over. Um, church wants to sentence uh, doubt to death. Many of the mistakes, contradictions, historical conflictions, conflicts, and problematic passages are brought out and discussed, just, they are, just as they are in semin uh, seminaries and theological schools around the world. In addition to reading the New Testament from a devotional perspective, Rusty Williams shares numerous reasons why it's also important to read with a critical eye from a historical point of view. By doing so, Jesus's ministry and message are experienced in a whole new way. I don't know why this is happening. This pisses me off, but we're going to try to ignore it. All right. And the uh, cover of the book here, we've got a nice dramatic doubt on trial. So uh, again, I'm not really 100% uh, sure what we're going to get into because um, Rusty is a uh, pastor and um, he does believe in, in the... I don't know why this happened. Hold on. I don't know. I think I need to. Uh, what the hell? Come on. I don't know. We'll figure it out. So um, that is the back of the book. Like I said, he uh, he does uh, obviously believe in Christianity, um, and uh, I'm not really sure where that's going to take us. Uh, obviously, he is going to be. Uh, you know, in the book itself, looking at some of the things that I, as a, as an atheist would, um, you know, would, would uh, uh, question about specifically the New Testament. Um, and I didn't, I didn't uh, reach out to these Christians. They're coming to me, I promise. Um, but yeah, let's do it. All right. And here is the man, Rusty Williams. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for coming on to the I Didn't Read Your Book podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure to, to be doing this. I'm really looking forward to it. I am too. Um, so as, uh, I, I guess, jumping right in, um, 
when you uh, reached out to me, I assume you didn't know that I was an atheist. Is no, that, but I think it's awesome. As an agnostic, I, as an agnostic who wrote a book about the New Testament, I find it fascinating um, to talk to people like you. My son is an atheist, so I have great conversations with, with people who have whatever they believe, all ends of the spectrum. Right. So I'm really uh, so. Before we actually get into the uh, the stuff in the book, um, like I would, I um, refer to myself as an agnostic atheist. Uh, you know, uh, Gnosticism being knowledge and um, theism being belief in a god or gods. So, um, just for anybody who isn't familiar with the the difference, um, unless uh, you care to to refute, uh, being agnostic is not <laughs> sitting on the fence, halfway in between. Um, it is about uh, your claim to knowledge. And so realistically, we should all be agnostic, um, but you can be uh, an agnostic believer. Uh, I myself am an agnostic atheist. There are some Gnostic atheists who think they know exactly whatever we can't possibly know at this point in time, but uh, we'll let them have their conversations on their podcast. I hear uh, so that being said, where... Um, Obviously, besides everything, what uh, what brought you to the the uh, title of agnostic for yourself? So you hit the nail on the head, and I can't tell you. You took the definition of agnostic: gnosis meaning knowledge, the prefix a meaning lack of or without. Right. That that's how we get the word Absolutely. agnostic. Yep. There are so many people that their belief. And what an agnostic is, is someone who's on that fence, like you said, I don't know what to believe. I'm not sure there's a God. There might be, there might not be. And in reality, that's not the case. So I call myself an agnostic and I go into this in the book. It's because I don't have the knowledge. I'm without the information needed to say, this is who Jesus was, or this is who Jesus is. This is who God is. This is who God was. Um, there's so many contradictions, so many discrepancies, so many historical errors in, and, and I focus on the New Testament as, as a Christian minister. So imagine being a Christian minister and selling yourself as an agnostic, that always goes over well. Um, so it's, I'll focus on the New Testament. There are just so many things that once we look at the New Testament from a historical standpoint and through a critical lens, we read things differently. It's the same words but we, we read them differently because now we're not reading it from a devotional standpoint. We're reading it from, and that's usually how people are taught, right? You learn right. to read the Bible from a devotional standpoint. So for me, the agnostic part of me is that I just don't have the information. So I'm not going to go around thumping my chest or thumping the Bible and saying, this is the word of God. And this is what you should believe because of all the research. And again, everything that's in the book, believe it or not, is taught in just about every seminary in the world. Every theological school, every university with a religious studies program has what I put in the book. And there's nothing in the book that doesn't come literally from the pages of the New Testament. So that obviously uh, begs the question, if, uh, if you don't know, what makes you believe? Um, personal experiences. It's, well, total transparency here. Being brought Please. up a very being being brought up a very conservative Episcopalian, right? So you know, if you don't believe, well, there's two places you, you're going to go when this is all. And you're taught this. Remember, this is drummed into a child's head from from for in a lot of families. Maybe not so much anymore, 
But for a lot of families, people my age, you know, I just hit my 60th birthday, 60th birthday here. So birthday. I, from from of the earliest age I can think of, from being dragged into church and dragged into Sunday school, you're told you're either if you're a good boy, you're going to go to heaven. And if you're mm-hmm. not good, you're going to hell. It's like it's like God becomes the Santa Claus in the sky. Right. And and if we're good, well, Santa will bring you what you want on Christmas morning. But if you're bad, well, you're getting coal and you're not getting what you want. And coal would be hell. So a, there's a certain a part of me that is just inherent that, OK, what about this? It wasn't until I started deconstructing my own faith that I came to realize that, wait a minute, you know, I don't have to believe everything my parents told me. I don't have to believe all of this. And this is what started the journey. So I'm not saying I'm not sure there's a God. I'm saying I believe and if we can get rid of, this will make people happy. If we can get rid of the term God for a moment, is there an, and you're and, speaking my language. <laughs> if there is a life force, if there's an energy, if there, for me, my statement of faith is God is love. That's, it's that simple. I don't have a statement of faith about what I believe about the Trinity and about Jesus being the only son of God. My statement of faith is God is love. And that universal love, that part of us that, we know it exists, right? You have love inside of you. You know it exists. And yet you couldn't go into an operating room and ask a surgeon to open you up and find where love is. It's real, but it's not real. It's there, but it's not there. So for me, my definition of God is simply this universal part of life that allows us to love and allows us to receive love. Some people put a name on it and they call that God. And it seems to me that's what the ancients did. And all the different religions, you know, share this in common, at least the idea of love. So for me, that's what it is. It's not that there is this holy father who oversees heaven and there's going to be a judgment day. And when I get up there, I'm going to have to account for everything that I've done. And then he's going to say, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Okay, come on in. Sure, sure, two points. (laughs) There you go. So, So that's my definition of God. It's not the, so in a way, when you talk about being a theist, I am a more of an atheist than I am a theist because the theist believes in this identity of this God being. And I don't know if, if that's for me or not. So I just so, accept the fact that it's love. So I, w- I would put you in the category of deism as opposed to theism then, right. um, where, uh, you know, like the, the God of Spinoza or like the, the, the God that Einstein would talk about, where that there there's a, exactly. you know, a big mover and, and, and whatever. But it's, again, not uh, tied to any specific dogma. It's go. just an acknowledgement that uh, there's, there's, there's something else that there's something else. Um, and, and so just to give you a, a little background on me, listeners will have uh, heard me uh, Says so a million times, especially if they're uh, fans of. Oh, really? I decided to I'd like rock that, my man. rock there my own uh, merch for my my last podcast. Um, but yeah, I grew. Uh, I was uh, born into a Catholic family um, and uh, was in the Catholic Church, uh, baptized, confirmed, um, and then uh, when I was about in eighth grade, uh, we had moved over to a uh, a Methodist church, and so you know that. Uh, when I was younger, it was all the, you know, Christian uh, brimstone and, and fire and, and, and all that stuff. Um, and it wasn't. And so I really, you know, it was just something I didn't like. But of course, I was indoctrinated. So I, I, I definitely believed it. Um, and then when we had gone to the Methodist church, because it was a uh, much more uh, 
open environment, sure. then I took to it a, a, a lot more. And so I don't um, remember the, you know, I, I don't have an exact moment where, where I say I lost my faith and, and, and anything like that. But um, the way I put it is that I remember that uh, if you, if you remember uh, AOL instant messenger, oh, yeah. when I was, a, when I was a, a freshman in college, on my away message, I would put uh, Bible verses in the 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 away message. So that was uh, uh, two thousand eight, two, yeah, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I was I was a full believer, and uh, then you know, a little bit of philosophy, a little bit of psychology, a little bit of uh, uh, psychedelics, and uh, you know, my uh, my my thinking is is a lot different. Um, but and it should be, by the way, we, yeah. we shouldn't be stagnant in our in our beliefs. Definitely. And, and um, you know, like I would guess many um, people who, who uh, grew up with faith, who then became atheists, there was a significant period of, of uh, anger and being that militant atheist and, you know, feeling lied to um, and, and, uh, and, and all that stuff. I mean, you know, it, it, think of any uh, stereotype of the, the, the atheist. And I was that for, for a number of years. Um, because I was like, I, I, I know that I'm right, that you aren't, that you know. So I know that I'm right when I say that you don't know. And I, I felt so confident in that, that it didn't really, uh, just that point alone is, is what I was subsisting on and trying to, to maybe, I guess, have that validated that even though I, you know, still want to be a good person and morals and all this good stuff uh, that wasn't what I was paying attention to um, and it took a couple of years uh, got a little bit older uh, you know uh, talking with a, a number of different people about this um, taking more philosophy classes and, and, and learning about what else, okay if I don't have religion what 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 do I think about stuff what do I believe what do I know what do I not know all that stuff and so you know my my uh, my spiritual motto so to speak um, is believe nothing except that anything is possible. And um, uh, thank you. And I got it tattooed right here. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I just think it, it encompasses everything that we need and, and allows for correction and uh, an update and, and all of this kind of stuff. And I think the type of uh, religion and faith that, that you practice, I think is far more common, like you were alluding to, far more common these days than the, the, the very strict yeah. uh, uh, kind, although that, that's still uh, alive and well. And so when you said, let's take, that, let's take the word God out of it for a minute, and I say, you're speaking my language, that's what I've been shouting from the rooftops, is that, hey, a lot of the, you, you don't believe in a lot of this stuff either. We're just taking some of the good parts and 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 just trying to ignore the slavery parts and ignore the the different uh, uh, cuts of cloth parts and 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 that. So why don't we just be real and say, yeah, there's some great there's some great moral philosophy in this book, and that's it. I couldn't. So that's agree that's with where you I come. Um, <laughs> as you were speaking, I was thinking about, and it, people have given in the word deconstruction, and it sounds like your deconstruction was. It came about by way, there wasn't a crisis of faith, in other words, it was just one thing after another, and then you, you hmm. felt that anger. I went through something similar in that I learned 
everything that, that I put in the book. And again, the subtitle is an agnostic minister's case for questioning the Bible because I was raised not to question. And, mm-hmm. and you talked about, you know, you think there's a lot more people like me practicing Christianity. And, and I hope that's, I, I really do hope that's the case because certainty is real problematic. And when you're brought up not to ask any questions and that guy, and always had to be a guy, by the way, right? Methodist, <laughs> you, you at least became a little, you know, a little more, always was, was a guy, at least in the Episcopal church, there was a guy standing up there, at least it was, as I was raised. Now they, the Episcopal church has come very, become very progressive. You listen to that hymn and what he's saying, he's, he's God's spokesperson up there. Mm-hmm. And so you were, when I say you, I was raised to whatever was said, whether it was fire and brimstone or whatever it was, it was, that was the word of God. And that wasn't to be questioned now. And, and I give your generation credit for this. The internet has opened up, you know, we didn't have the internet growing up. I grew up in the sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. You know, you wanted to learn something, had to go to the library. You don't even remember what, what an index Dewey decimal system, Dewey yeah. decimal system and everything, right? <laughs> so we had, we had to look something up. There was inside, every home had a whole stack of encyclopedias. And you had, you had research. It, the information wasn't at your fingertips. So we accepted a lot more of what we mm. were told. I became that, that I don't want to, I don't want to say cynic and I don't want to, I, I wasn't angry. I became very confused. When in seminary, I learned the contradictions. This is taught. The, the historical part of Christianity is taught before the, the, the divinical part of, of, of the faith. So and and sorry to cut you off, but when you say that, when you say that, you mean that, you know, at the highest levels of people studying this, they're not shying away from, from these things that are clearly there, that, that is, you know, this normal is, people like me are saying like, hey, uh, this doesn't line up. And so you're saying that at, those, at, at the highest level, they're not just... Well, God works in mysterious ways. They're actually it's, dissecting it's, it. It's dissected. And then you are taught how to be an apologist for it. <laughs> so God works in mysterious ways, or there's certain things that we don't know. And there's even the, and, and, and it sounds hypocritical, but this is the word of God. These are for the, the more fundamental evangelical faiths. This is the word of God. It's the inerrant word of God. It's infallible in, in every way. But then you get to certain parts that don't make any sense, where God is responsible for killing millions of people. Well, that was, you know, we, sometimes we don't take everything literally. Now we have to look at the bigger picture. Well, pick one. Is it, is it the literal word of God or is it an interpretation that was written? I fall, my belief falls on the side that these books were written over a period of about 1100 years, the books that make up the Bible, the New Testament books, the first book. The, the letters of Paul, they weren't written until 20 years after started being written by Paul, 20 years after Jesus' death. All of the books of the, of the New Testament are written in Greek. Jesus and his followers spoke Aramaic. Aramaic right. the, liter, the literacy rate in the part of the world, in the part of the empire where Jesus preached, where he where he he where his ministry was, mm-hmm. hovered between three and five percent. And they were for the very wealthy, very well-to-do people. So yeah, I never really thought about that point. So you have in Jesus's ministry, say, you know, around the, the end of the third, beginning of the fourth century, uh, fourth century of the common era, depending on what books you read. But, but let's say, you know, if Jesus was crucified at the year 30, let's say he had a, anywhere between a one and three year ministry, that part of the world where he was, was very poor, very desolate. Think of the Pine Barrens of South Jersey, right? 
this is the kind this is a rural remote area where jesus made for, for the for the most part taught now you have his teachings being shared from generation to generation and it wasn't until the first gospel written the gospel of mark is written 40 years after his death mm. by someone who wasn't even there in a language that jesus never spoke or at least his followers never spoke. Maybe Jesus knew a few Greek words, but there's nothing to suggest that Jesus was fluent in Greek. That the, the, the language of that area, it was a very local language, was Aramaic. So to, to say that this is exactly right, can you imagine, and I won't ask your age, but can you I'm imagine- I'm 31, don't worry about it. <laughs> go back to middle school, pick a year in middle school, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, pick yeah. a year, and now write down everything that you remember that happened in <laughs> one year of that school year. Now there were some important things that happened. There was just some memorable things, but make sure you get the exact, the, the, the discussions, the words are exact. Make sure, make sure you have times, make the sure right quotations. And, oh, yeah. It's impossible. And yet we say, this is what Jesus said. This is what he did. Instead of looking at it, what were the writers of the gospels trying to portray? What, what were they trying? What was the message at that time? You know, the, the Madras teachings in, in, in the Jewish culture, it wasn't so much about the exact words and the exact, mm -hmm. in other words, something didn't have to be factual to be true. And there was a lot of stories that were told because it was- I, oral Sorry, stories. sorry again to cut you off. I think, sure. I think I know what you mean by that, that, uh, uh, you know, factual, the difference between factual and, and, and truth in the Jewish, Jewish faith. Um, but do you mind uh, dissecting that a little bit? Well, sure. because, this was, <laughs> because this was a community that shared information through oral traditions. Remember, this wasn't these people didn't send their kids off to school and then they came back mm -hmm. to mommy and dad. By the time you were 12 or 13, if you were a boy, you were expected to start helping out in whatever your dad's business was, whether it was farming, whether it was building things, whether whatever it was. So there, there was not we, we have I think we we tend to get trapped into going back and just assume everything was just like it is now. And the kids are off school. No information would be shared. History would be shared by sitting around either the table as they were talking, or even in the synagogue stories would be shared. And the story was to impart a greater um, truth. Like if, if you wanted to learn, we'll take Noah and, and, and the flood. Well, okay it wasn't so much that there was, there was this massive rainfall and flood and it rained for 40 days. And, and there's scientifically it has been shown what kind of rainfall would be needed to flood the earth. But what was the bigger story in telling that story? What was the bigger truth in that? So that's how Jewish people, I wasn't raised Jewish. This is the other part of, this is the, the other leg of, of this table that's falling and it's all rickety when mm -hmm. it comes to Christianity. Christ. Christianity, or at least the teachings of Jesus, left the synagogue for the most part by the end of the first century. In other words, initially, it was a, this was a Jewish religion. Right. Christianity was all about being Jewish. Jesus mm -hmm. taught from the Jewish law. His followers were Jewish. That's what this was all about. So it wasn't until it left the, the synagogue that Christianity really took hold. So we fall into this trap of assuming what is told what, what, what we read is exactly what happened when in essence, we're not Jewish, at least I'm not. So I can't say from a Jewish standpoint, from my culture, 
what does it mean to, to read the, the different levels in a story? And, and a Jewish rabbi would probably read the New Testament completely different than you and I. So mm. that, that's what I mean by that. So, and, and I mean, uh, yeah, I, def I definitely agree. Um, I'm wondering, you know, how this kind of, you know, when you, when you bring up this, this type of thinking um, to, to uh, people in your church or, or, or other believers, I'm wondering what kind of uh, reception you usually uh, get. You mean how bad is the reception? <laughs> um, see, here's... At least they know I'm a, I'm a heathen. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and I'm an apostate. I would never bring this up from the pulpit giving a sermon. I, I think I think to to I, that would be like two by four therapy, right? Everything you believe in, someone comes up and whacks your cross with <laughs> two by four, right? My dad used to call that two by four therapy. My brother and I needed two by four therapy <laughs> a lot. But there's a way to share this, and my wife and I had little group meetings in our home, we would meet like once every couple of weeks and we would call it just um, the Thursday gathering, I think, or Thursday nights with, and we would just discuss this in, in a small group. When I, when I mention this, I'm very careful because like you, I don't want to be that militant person who, because I wrote this book, I know more than everyone else and, and damn it, this is what you have to live by. And because I put it in my book, it's true. So why are you still thinking the way you do? I. I tend to believe someone's beliefs, their faith beliefs are very personal, very intimate, very sacred. So I'm not one to start a conversation about that. However, if someone comes and starts evangelizing and I'm talking maybe someone even that I just met and I'll say, well, you know, I really don't want to talk about this. Maybe if they continue, well, then, you know, I have no here problem. We go. Just, just, here we go. Okay. You know, I, I didn't. You asked for it. They drew first blood. They drew, um, <laughs> but I, I try to be respectful, just as you are. And I really appreciate that, by the way. There's a YouTube channel I follow. It's the Friendly Atheist um, on, on YouTube. I think and, I've seen him around. I don't know. And, gotta... and, and it's very, it reminds me a lot like you in that it's not out to prove and, and to, to say you have to believe my way of believing or you shouldn't believe what I don't believe because you're believing what you believe is wrong and my believing not believing is right. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Right. So I just try to have an open conversation and start small. You know, when, when, you teach, when you teach someone a new, I don't know if you ever played any sports in high school or you ever did anything like that, but when you were learning a new skill, you know, if you were learning baseball, you didn't stand up there in front of a major league pitcher and try to hit a 96 mile an hour sinker right right you, you start started t-ball t-ball right and then right. And then it was then they were lobbing the pitch and then it was a soft throw so i don't want to offend anyone i certainly don't want anyone to think that they're the way they think is wrong i'd rather i think we learn more and we accept more when we come to that understanding on our own instead of when someone tells us there's a really neat social experiment that was done psychological social called the backfire effect it kind of goes along the lines of bias confirmation, confirmation bias, in that they hook people up to um, functional MRIs so they could see the parts of the brain that light up. When someone with a very strong belief was given information that was contrary to that belief and was shown like through research that, that what they believed was wrong and this is the actual belief, the part of the brain where learning takes place went silent. The amygdala, hmm. the whole limbic system, uh. lit up, the fight or flight kicked in. So, and, and their beliefs actually got stronger 
their misbeliefs actually got stronger than if given new information. So knowing that, I try not to push this to people. I'll just in a conversation, hey, did you ever think about this? And I'll right. throw out, you know, mm. if if there's three different versions of one story, all three people can't be correct. And I'll, so I might start out, would you agree with that premise? That if, if all three of us saw an accident and we all gave a color, the car that fled the scene of that accident, and you said red and I said green and someone else said white, all three of us can't be right about that car. One exactly. of us can be right. All three of us can be wrong, but all three of us can't be right. 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 But so then that's kind of like my foot in the door. Like that'll, that'll get the foot open or get the door open. Yeah. Are you, are you familiar with the, the, the term uh, steel manning? Yes. Yeah. And so I, I think that um, maybe not, uh, uh, you know, exclusively, but that type of stuff where you're making, you're, you're getting people's guard down, where you're showing that you're, that even though you're engaging this and you guys are not uh, on the same page that this, it doesn't need to be a combat, a combative. Well, that's thing. exactly right. And I, and I don't, because then not, then it just becomes a pissing contest of, you know, I know more than you, you know, more than me. And then, right. and then instead of speaking from a place of knowledge, it becomes emotional and then it all goes to crap from there. Um, I'm allowed to say crap and piss, right? Oh yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. This is a heathen podcast. We can yeah, say whatever perfect. the fuck we want. <laughs> so, there you go. I was going to drop the F bomb. So, <laughs> so I, I agree with you. So I try to use that and then say, well, did you ever think about the contradictions that are in the Bible? Well, what do you mean? Well, we don't, we can go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Most people believe there's one creation story. There's two creation stories, chapter one and chapter two. There's two different creations. I see the look on your face. There are two different creation stories. And in one of the creation stories, the first day, God separated light from dark, and he called light day and dark night. Well, it wasn't until the third day that he created the sun. Yeah, the sun. So how do you have night and day, but then you also have how Adam and Eve, when, when, was, the, when, when was Adam created? Was it before the animals and Adam was created last, or was Adam created first and then all the animals? Both chapter one and chapter two have two different stories. So I'll start off with that because most people will look at the Old Testament. Well, especially if, well, that's their book. That's not my book. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, and then softly go into things. I'm not going to go right into was the resurrection real? If So if that answers your, your question, there's no sense in going there right away. That's like trying right. to hit that 95 mile an hour right. sinker when you're six <laughs> years old, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so something you said about, um, um, you know, people not wanting to make people uh, feel like they, what they think is wrong. Um, to me, that is, that is a, I mean, it's, uh, it's noble and it makes sense and it's sensitive to, you know, to, to the person you're talking to. But my, my issue is that beliefs inform action, inform actions, beliefs yep. inform actions. And so what you believe then turns into action that will then affect me and others uh, uh, around us oh, in the physical yeah. world. And so if you believe that, you know, God uh, uh, told you to go kick my dog, then I, I you know, well, then, what- then I, I agree with you. I, I jump in right away. I don't, I'm well, not passive with that. Well, and, some- and my, but my point is that even though uh, that is clearly something that we would say, hey, well, that's called, you know, that belief is going to cause a, a, a very immediate and obvious uh, a bad thing. So whether, whether or not it, it uh, or regardless of how you feel about it, that's wrong and, and you can't do that. So that's, but I, I don't necessarily 
see a, a functional difference between that and perpetuating the, the fundamentalist belief in, in, in dogma it, itself, whether it's Christianity or, or anything else. Uh, when we live in an age, like you said, we have the internet and we, we, we know a lot of things and we, we don't know everything and we don't have to pretend to know everything. But a lot of, uh, a, a lot of people, especially that, that I've come across, uh, uh, will you know, do, the, do the mental gymnastics and, and, you know, it's just like, why can't you just let me believe what I want? It's like, because, right. well, when you believe it and then your neighbor believes something completely different, but you're using the same word. And then all of you go into a building and you're all saying the same words, but you all believe something different. And then some crazy guy comes in and has his beliefs, but because he's using the same words as you, he's just like, yeah, I talked to God. I didn't, and I, I, that is, is not something that, that in this day and age, we see uh, you know, uh, uh, hearing voices is not uh, just a, a common like, oh, I guess God was talking to you. That is something that we look at as like, Ugh. even, you know, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Christians to other Christians, if you told uh, 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 in, at least in some circles and to some extent, if if you were saying that, yeah, oh yeah, God talks to me all the time. What? God, yeah, God, dude. Told, God, God told me to do this. So I yeah, God, God put it you, in my heart. And I... Yeah. Even believing in all of the, the dogma, you still would have some sort of reaction to that. And, yes. and the underlying point being, if we don't believe in the, the, uh, the man in the sky, we don't believe that there was one boat that all, uh, that the, the, the penguins and the, uh, uh, the gazelles and the lions were all on together and they were all fed, but didn't die. If, why do we need to, or, or rather, why can't we accept the fact that this, this, uh, this way of thinking is not as, uh, uh, I, in my opinion, not as effective as cutting out the, the religious language and talking about the uh, actual moral principles. I agree with you. Um, you know, we all have skill sets. Not confronting someone is not meaning that I don't or other people shouldn't at least speak their truth. One of the reasons I wrote the book is because of the backfire effect. And I've learned, and so not just because I, I saw that the studies that, that talked about, about this weird phenomenon that when people are given, and part of this, and I should have mentioned, the two topics that were the most, where people dug their heels in deeper and believed what they believed, religion and politics. Yep. So that's when the part of the brain lit up, that is the fight or flight reflex. So instead of confront, instead of walking around saying you should believe this, because then am I really any better than the ones that stand on the sign that you're all gays are going to hell and, and, right. and the, the right. uh, or from my uh, perspective, the guy who's uh, standing up yeah. at the pulpit telling lies so, to the community. So that's why I wrote the book. It's not to confront people, it's mm -hmm. to try to meet people where they are, and it's a process. Remember, you your process didn't happen overnight, and if it did, you probably would be would be an emotional wreck i can tell you that when my wife deconstructed we were living down in florida and we used to take walks on the beach and we were just having a discussion and i didn't share a lot of what's in the book because she was raised catholic 12 years of catholic school by the way um in addition to to the, the catholicism that that was taught the normal indoctrination so, so she so she 
really almost had like a breakdown on walking along the beach saying, well, what the hell is all this about them? Well, what, what do I even believe? Like, I don't even know anymore mm. because for her, it came, mine was, was kind of like, I learned it in a, in a, um, educational setting, you know, in, in that kind of setting. And I was able to kind of think about it. She went through it differently. And mm. when she went through it, and she asked questions and there was discussions and I wasn't going to hold back. I wasn't going to lie to my wife. But man, once it, it was like watching a foundation, a wrecking ball hit a foundation of a skyscraper because it came down and, and it was painful. So as Definitely. a Christian minister, remember, I'm still a minister and my, my, my doctorate is in ministry and I purposely went ministry, not theology. I don't want to be mm -hmm. a theologist. I didn't want it in divinity. I wanted to minister to people to help people. So, so what what are so they to you? What is the difference between? I mean, you know, there's the the the, the actual differences in study, but to you, what it, what did it mean to to go uh, down the ministry uh, route versus? Uh, so ministry theology, right? is more the hands-on. I'm I'm not a scholar. I'm not I'm not <laughs> some brainiac. Like I barely got out of high school. I, I you know it it was a long and and twisted road just to get. I wasn't ordained until. Uh, 2000 and so i'm trying to do the math 13 years ago so i i experienced life first and i wanted to do something hands-on i didn't want to be someone who's writing paper after paper mm -hmm. or book after book doing research about the theolog theological side of this or, or looking at it from in the divinity side and then trying to have all the answers it almost being like a philosophy major as much as i find philosophy interesting right. i don't think i would want to be a philosopher so the ministry is hands-on yeah. my wife and i started a ministry where I, I'm also a, um, a clinical hypnotist. And before, up until the pandemic, we had an office a couple of towns away from us and we didn't charge. We offered hypnosis and my wife's Reiki master to people who were hurting. And I felt that was, if you want to call it a calling, that it was to help people. Like I, I, I you know, I was a cop. I've, I've been retired now um, since 2010. Before that, I was a paramedic. So it's always been, you know, trying to get people that are hurting and whatever relief I can give them. So to confront, to go back to, to your original point, to do that two by four therapy to someone, it's not, first of all, I know it doesn't work. Right. I know that a fundamentalist, an evangelical a Pentecostal is not going to read my book. And if they do, well, I've already gotten semi-death threats when I did a Facebook <laughs> ad for my book when it first came out from, from certain people. They weren't death mm -hmm. threats, but it was, you would be better off dead you know, we can't, you know, wait until it was, it was those kind of things, you know, the godly so, type so, messages. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I know that, that that's not going to work. I would rather meet people where they are and then try to have them. I, I was a bomb dog handler when I, when I was a cop, I, I worked. Oh, really? And I'm a and, private dog trainer. And oh, per, there you go. So we got a lot um, in common, man. A lot in common, man. So boomer, my kid's name, boomer. He was a black lab, uh, boomer, the bomb dog, go figure. Right. But to get a dog, so we didn't use any negative. There was really nothing negative because you didn't want to, you didn't want to shut a dog down. Mm -hmm. Let the dog come to realize it on his own or her own, and it'll sink in better, and then it becomes more enjoyable for them. And as much as I hate comparing people to dogs, I think we can learn a lot from our canine population. And if you're I a mean, dog trainer, I Boomer was the best partner I ever had, and I loved him better than yeah. So. I'm, I'm preaching. Yeah. Choir, I mean, right? what, yeah, it took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, I've got uh, my little uh, Morty I see, back I see, there. I saw that. He's, yeah, uh, mine are in the other room trying to stay quiet right now. But my point is when, when the dog learns the behavior, the, the desired behavior themselves, it becomes more important. It becomes intrinsic. 
Instead of the right. reward, my, my dog, the reward was to play tug of war with the mm-hmm. towel roll when, when he sat and everyone was like, oh, look, your dog sat. And they thought it was great. I'm like, my dog just sat. That's literally all he did. But the intrinsic part of him wanting to make me happy because that's what he wanted to do was, and I learned this just by watching him, was that gave him more of a thrill than playing tug of war with the towel for a couple minutes. And then me trying to get it out of his mouth and literally lifting him up to try <laughs> to you know, out, out, and no matter what, he wasn't letting go of it. So I think with people, meet them where they are. And, and as a minister, and I'm also the, the, the uh, chaplain for our local police department. Okay. And so I think being this agnostic type of a minister helps because the people I'm going to be called to help aren't always going to be in a place. Well, first of all, a department, police department chaplain usually isn't called to the scene when things are going great, right? They're, not, right. they're usually called when, when th- things are bad. And so to meet people again, where they are and to be open to all beliefs without thinking that my belief is the ultimate one. And then if they want to come along for the journey, I'll help guide them. Hey, here's a couple of books, try this. So that's my approach. Just like your dog, whatever type of training you do, I'm sure you believe there are training philosophies for dogs that are great. Yours would be the first one, but then there are other, but then there are other philosophies. And I have a service dog. I have a, a tumor in my spinal cord. Oh, sorry. Here. So, um, but it's, it's, that's why I had to retire. So I have a mobility assistance dog, the training, watching the way he was trained down in Florida and being a part of that was completely different than watching the way a police canine dog is trained and neither one's wrong, but I'm not going to think because this is the way my training works. Damn it. Everyone else is going to learn everyone else. And every dog trainer is going to be the same as, as the way I work. So, so that's, if, if that makes, if that I'm trying to, I know it's a long twisted way to get around. Yeah. Here. I mean, you've said so many great things and that's, um, that, that's kind of why I don't, and I agree with you because our actions come from our thoughts, our thoughts come from our beliefs and, and it's led to some really shitty stuff that has been done in the name of God. Mm. And I, so I could not agree with you more on that. It's just my skill set isn't confronting people like that mine is more hey and this also becomes as a detective i got more confessions not by slamming a book down and saying what did you do where were you i'm tired (laughs) of this it was we sat and talked for a while until i got them to want to tell me why they did what they did and so it's just it's just how that works for me so yeah i mean you just gave me a a gold mine that was that was that was wonderful uh i, I took a couple of notes here uh i definitely got to give a a shout out to my dad because he uh has been telling me basically all the stuff that you're saying about uh about the, the this context about all this stuff uh you know he'll always say uh, a man uh, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still uh, oh i like that that one's from uh, from from Doctor uh, Doctor Lutch there. Thanks, Dad. I like that. Um, and you know, just uh, you know, to to keep on the subject of, of him, you know, my mom is uh, very she's she's very religious. She's she's that's her thing. Um, and and it, along with everything we were just talking about, it wouldn't be uh, fruitful for for her and I to have, to even open the conversation. It's just, we we're starting from too far apart and, you know, with, with, you know, the, the, all other stuff. It's just a, it's just a non-starter. Um, but my dad and I have over the past five, seven years, um, built up a, a, a much better relationship. Um, you know, as he was, 
he was, uh, he's a doctor. So when I was uh, younger, uh, he was just working a lot. Um, so I didn't, and when he was home, he was, he was tired. So, sure. uh, you know, he was great dad, always, you know, coming to, to games and stuff, but um, you know, it, it would, uh, it, I didn't get to spend as much time as uh, with him as I would have liked to. So we didn't have that super, super strong uh, uh, relationship. And plus they're immigrants and I'm an American child. So a lot of things um, that up until this, this uh, current period, I didn't really have, um, you know, we didn't really have an open dialogue about much of anything. Whenever we talked, it would just be like, uh, you know, did you, did you uh, do this? Did you pay your bills? Is your car all right? And, right. and you know, just kind of pleasantries and making sure. But as, uh, you know, as that relationship developed, um, you know, again, at first, the religious argument, it, it was not, or not even argument, discussion was, was off the table. Um, and, but just over time, we've learned to respect each other's boundaries more and, and get into it, un- knowing that we both want to understand each other better. And uh, are you familiar with, uh, there's a YouTube call-in show called The Atheist Experience? No. So it's, uh, uh, yeah, so it's just a call-in show and it would be just like this and somebody, you know, they do, they go live on, on Sundays and um, they just call in and the, the, the premise is, uh, what do you believe and why? And so someone will call in and they'll say, um, you know, what, what, what they believe in. And usually the question is why and how do you know that? And, and a lot of it boils down to, uh, well, it's just what I believe. And which, you know, uh, uh, has helped me personally get to the point where, you know, I can accept that you, you are saying you don't have a, you know, you don't have hard uh, proof evidence. And in spite of that, you decide to believe. That makes sense to me more than thinking that the text of the Bible is that evidence and you are right because of that. And so I bring up the show because it was uh, um, really uh, uh, pivotal, I think, in, in changing the way I had these conversations with my dad. And because it was a, I, I made a, 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 like they, with each episode, it's great. They'll, they'll like break, uh, uh, do a different link for each call. So I made a playlist on YouTube with just a bunch of different poignant calls. And so because we would, we would sit, uh, he would come over, we'd hang out, we'd watch the, 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 the playlist. And with each call, because they weren't his beliefs and his, you know, his personal beliefs, it was much easier for me to uh, uh, to to uh, uh, dissect the argument itself, because you're rather than him, right, right, and uh, so definitely the the uh, idea of you know the two by four therapy it uh, it just it it's not worthwhile. So even even deciding that you know you want to you want to have this conversation again you 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 know you need to to find the way. Uh, in which to do it. And as you alluded to uh, with the, the, the dog stuff, again, it, that's right, uh, right up my alley because I, it's, it's amazing how much uh, it's every day. There's so much I see in, you know, the process of uh, training with, you know, each you know, unique dog and unique people. And it's, it's a microcosm of uh, not only religion, but politics. And you talked about, you know, what the, the uh, you know, what the dog wants to do. And a lot of times, you know, you go in and it's people who maybe never had a dog before, never, uh, you know, they had a, an old dog, so they never really trained it. And they bring this new puppy and they think it's going to be easy and then it, it gets out of control. And so by the time I get there, it's like, 
it's the dog's world and you're just living in it. And they think they can, they can dictate the terms of all the interactions. So all we've got to do is show the dog that if you choose to follow me and listen to me, it will be better for you. You can choose not to, uh, but as an all positive uh, uh, reinforcement, we don't, I, I, uh, my company specifically doesn't use like um, shock collars and stuff. No, but no e-collars, nothing like good. No, and I mean, not, you know, nothing against well, they, balance they, they, trainers, they have, just- Well, I'm sorry, they, they have a purpose. They have the, exactly, but, they have but, a place. But, but unless, unless that client knows how to use it, you can correct a desired behavior and, and if you don't hit it in a split second, which I'm, I, and that's why I, I know how to use them. But man, when I see people just going bat, 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 uh, yep. uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's, so, that's like, point, my, uh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hear you right on the same page. But, you know, point being that, that you definitely uh, see on a very simplistic uh, scale how beliefs about the world change uh, behavior. And, uh, you know, when you're talking with dogs. When they believe, you know, the like for, for my program, we basically, we start with treats and we do a couple uh, commands and then we have a yes marker and a no marker. And then we want to build that up and have them respect your authority so that when you say to do something, they, they don't believe that it's, well, like well, yeah. whatever, whatever I feel like. Um, and when you say uh, no, that they, they respect that. And you don't have to get into these yelling matches or, you know, you know all of that stuff because they already know their place. And um, uh, it, it's when you, when you try to, or rather when you do it correctly, you can see how well it, it, it flows. And in and the same way, and, and it's enjoyable, it's enjoyable for the dog. It's enjoyable or, for the, absolutely. Owner, as absolutely. opposed to grabbing a leash and, and with, with a pinch collar and continually yep. doing this. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. And I think people are, are the same way. You know, you can, you can teach, you, you can teach or, or, not even teach, but just talk about things in different ways. And I think, uh, especially for, um, you know, someone like me, and then uh, uh, clearly uh, for someone uh, in, in your position as well, navigating that while having, um, at least for me, very strong opinions has been, has been very difficult. And um, I, I think maybe the, the, the small uh, piece where we, you and I would, would uh, disagree is again going back to you know how people feel about their own beliefs and and um, you know at at what cost do we let people just believe whatever they want to believe? Um, yeah, I, I I can't disagree with that because there's been too much in history. There's been there's too much evidence there to show what what, what people think. Um, um, when I'm talking about talking to people about this, I'm not talking about the fundamentalist who believes uh, a woman should obey her husband, right? That's still in wedding veils to this day, by the way. Went to a wedding not too long ago and the wife said, I promise to love, honor, and obey you. Now, well, even if we can pick that apart really quick. That's what I'm saying. And that's what I'm saying. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, well, hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I, because in the way that we talk now, obey, that's a, that's a loaded word. You don't want to have to uh, uh, say that you're going to, because the implication is that you don't want to do it. But I still need, you know, and again, we're trying, just using comparison. We're not comparing people to dogs, but um, I, I want my dog to obey me, but that doesn't mean I'm abusing that power. And, and uh, you know, going back to what you were saying about how, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's not exact, uh, the exact words, but the, the um, you know, the sentiment, 
I, I would argue that the the that traditional uh, gender role thing actually has been, um, uh, or I guess the pushback against what that was. You know, the the man, uh, the woman must obey the man. So the man has all the power, and he's uh, and the pushback against that, uh, where we want women and and everyone to be equal under the law and and okay. and, and, and all that. Um, but I think it's 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 messed with how people interact. And the assumption when you say the woman should obey her husband, and again, we could up that, update that more to, I think, follow in the sense of follow his lead, is that the point is she chose a man who is worthy of that, of, of, of that leadership. And, and that's why, and I, so even in that specific case, it's, I don't know that the, the concepts, I mean, definitely some of them, but even, you know, if we can agree or disagree on the concepts, it's about the, the, the language that we use. And, and again, that brings me back to, to, to why if you don't believe in, you know, every word of the Bible, then you shouldn't be calling yourself a Christian. You shouldn't uh, uh, be doing that. Have a gathering, you know, your Thursday night gathering, and and just talk about the things that you already talk about, and 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 leave out the 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 stuff that we know doesn't make sense. Well, and so th- that's a double-edged sword. And here's why. For I don't know if you're aware of what's called the uh, Revised Common Lectionary. The Catholic Church would use it. It's a three-year cycle of what verses, what books, what okay. what, what what the readings are going to be. Well, it, it goes in a three-year cycle. So if I was wondering stay, how they figured that out. <laughs> so, so if you stayed in church long enough, you would hear the same reading from the Gospel of Mark three years after you heard it the last time, because it's it's the cycle, and it goes by the, the cycle of the church, not necessarily the the, the year. It's more mm. the church year. Yeah, yeah. You know, between between crucifixion, between Easter, and then Christmas, and all, all of that. There are passages that are never discussed. They're basically those passages that are talked about have been cherry picked. They've been mm-hmm. cherry picked to say, yeah. so we're only going to read the good stuff. We only want to give you the good stuff. Well, how can I, what do I know is good if I don't have anything to compare what's bad? So what if we, so what we would, why not discuss, and I'm not saying this should be done by the pulpit again. I, I'm, I'm saying an adult Bible, Bible study where we can sit down and say, listen, you never knew this was in the Bible because when you research, I'm going to look up verses for when I'm hurting or when I'm grieving. And it gives, you know, Google mm-hmm. gives that whole list or my minister, my pastor, my priest said to go look at these verses. And this is what I, this is what I remember that they talked about in church last Sunday. What about all those verses you didn't read? Yeah. I, about, I hadn't read yeah. more than, uh, you know, a, a couple uh, uh, lines, you know, a passage here or there uh, my entire Christian uh, uh, life. Until it wasn't until I was an atheist that I was like, wait a minute, I, I don't even know what's in this book. And then if you ask a Christian, do you, oh, I've read the Bible. Really? But oh, much so of my, it. My, my point <laughs> is, I, I think it's good to share the met. What were the, my, the purpose of writing this book? And it, it, what were each gospel writer, the gospel of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John? And that's, you know, the order they were written is Mark was written, then Matthew, even though it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mark was written at least 10 years before Matthew. So the gospel writers, what was their intent? What were they trying to portray? 
And then if we see, okay, why were they trying to portray Jesus? So let's unpack that. What were they trying to convey? I mean, obviously well, a lot, so, but, so, but so boil it down. The, the, the first gospel writer, the gospel Mark, it's, and, and again, now you're going to get theologians who, this is a generalized statement, as general right, as right. they can be, as much as dogs poop outside. That's right, how general right. this is going yeah. to be, okay? Um, I don't know why I just made a gospel writer compared to dog poop. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Okay, I loved so it. I'm going, I know I'm getting a hit for that one. Um, so if you think about what Mark, the writer of Mark wanted to show is that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the suffering Messiah because the Messiah in Jewish thinking would have been someone who came in and the, the, the Messiah was going to be someone who led the, the Jews. So, but so Jesus, that, Jesus died. But, so Jesus had to be the suffering Messiah. So Mark's gospel is about Jesus being the Messiah, how he became the suffering Messiah. Then comes along Matthew about 10 years later, probably around. But wait, so, so even just take, just taking Mark. So yeah. if that's the overall message mm-hmm. that, that if Jesus was this uh, uh, figure and, and um, I mean, I, I'm not as familiar with, with the, the, uh, the gospels anymore, but um, they're, they're more so they're telling Jesus story for uh, the purpose of us recognizing what he did for us. Is that, is that, more or less but they all had their slant right the slant of mark was to show that jesus was the messiah and and so immediately well you know the stuff we talked about different languages 20 years after he died my my question is how how do you know that he is the messiah don't And, and, and there's no reason so and now here's the problem to a jew the messiah is someone like king david king solomon that's the messiah that's the leader that's who they wanted to lead. You're talking about a guy who supposedly rode it to Jerusalem on a donkey the last week of his life. So this was this was problematic for the writer of Mark. So Jesus was the suffering Messiah, that there was power in, in being calm and, and being loving and those kind of things. Right. Um, so I'm glad you I'm glad I'm glad you said that. So those things are are useful and and real and relatable and and timeless and all that kind of stuff so why can't we just have a book about that instead of i believe it was you know what i mean was it thomas jefferson i think jefferson had a made his own bible and it was yeah, just yeah. basically it, that's what it was. Took, it was it was pulling these yeah, pulling yeah. these parts now here's something and i don't know how much time we have so i don't want to go through what each gospel writer had but when you said, how do we know he was the Messiah? First of all, I call myself a follower of Jesus. Follower. The definition of the word Christian is a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not someone who agrees with the teachings of Jesus Christ. It's not someone who worships Jesus Christ. The definition is someone who follows the teachings of Jesus Christ. So for me, I follow the teachings the teachings of love, the teachings of forgiveness, the teachings of acceptance, of hospitality. Jesus was big on hospitality, right? Jesus liked to party. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all over there, right? Um, <laughs> yep. So for me, it's more about, and there's a phenomenal book out called uh, Saving Jesus from the Church, How to Stop Worshiping Christ and Start Following Jesus. We've screwed up because we've turned this very simplistic, this is my opinion, this is Rusty Williams 101. We turned this very simplistic faith belief about the teachings of Jesus into this mega, mega consumerism type of product that we now call Christianity. 
And I think if we were to, what we talk about today in church, the first followers of Jesus, let's say this was a month after his death or the first couple months to a year after his death, they would be like, what are you talking about a Trinity? Three gods in one? <laughs> what are you, where did you get this? What? So for me, it's about following the teaching. I consider myself, here's, here's my, my tagline. I'm a hopeful agnostic continuing the struggle to follow the teachings of Jesus. That's who I am. If you were to ask me about, you know, well, who, okay, enough of this BS or this or that, who are you really? Mm. Um, I hope, I'm hopeful. I'm an agnostic. I'm a hopeful agnostic. The struggle of following the teachings of Jesus, because Jesus' teachings in a lot of ways weren't that easy to follow. Forgive someone that many times, not seven times, seven <laughs> times, 70 times. Are you freaking kidding me? Have you <laughs> met my ex-wife? Are you, come on, are you, are you crazy? Right. But I'm, 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 by the way, my, my, um, caveat to that, my ex-wife and I have a phenomenal relationship. We get along great now. We just talked on the, we try to talk on the phone regularly. My current wife, she loves it when I call her that. My current wife, my ex-wife, they're friends. They talk. So, so, but I'm just saying, but these things about, you know, what, what do you mean forgiving someone this many times? What do you mean about, and then trying to figure out, because Jesus spoke a lot in parables. So, what what the hell was he meaning about like are you kidding me what are you talking about so it is a struggle for me to continue to, to follow the teachings of jesus so i don't look at myself as this christian that no i'm a i'm a hopeful agnostic continuing the struggle to follow the teachings of jesus that's what the original christians were they were following the teachings of this man that they called jesus did they believe he was god probably not that doesn't even enter into the picture until we get way into the Gospels. And it's not until John's Gospel, written almost 70 years after his death, that Jesus is equated with God. Certainly the first Christian writer, Paul, never equates Jesus with God. They're never at the same level. Mm -hmm. So it's not until 70 years after his death where that, that very beautiful prologue in John that opens John's Gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. So Jesus is God. That's 70 years after his death. So John fucked it all up then. <laughs> so he, yeah, he did something. So, so my point is, that's how I consider my, that, that, that's who I think I am. And so if we continue to follow the teaching, that, the book that what I tried to do is expose, I hate the word expose, but to discuss what's talked about in seminar, in theological schools, so that people and I wasn't shooting obviously for the evangelical panic, but if they read it and they read it and they're like, wow, I never, I never thought about this, but I can tell you now how many people have come to me and said, your book has opened my eyes because I never understood. And I never made any sense on how I could this, when I read it here, because you read Mark or you read Matthew, you open the, you open the New Testament, you read Matthew, you finish Matthew, you turn to Mark. A lot of the stuff in Mark sounds like, just like it was in Matthew. So of course it makes sense. You go to Luke. Most of the stuff that was in Matthew and Mark, good portions in Luke. You get to John, John's way out there is not this <laughs> not. But you know what? It's still about Jesus. So you accept it as all being, uh -huh. being what it is. And yet, if you take the time and literally look at it historically and with a critical eye, and this is textual criticism, is what it's called, it's it comes at you in a whole different way. And so yeah. that's where I'm, that's where I'm at right now. And, and, and my faith journey has been different. This is my third book. I wrote a book in 2009 that if I thought about the stuff I've written this, wrote in this book now, I'd probably be like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> so I, when you, when you had said, you know, the things you believe now 
aren't necessarily what you believe. Well, you sh- you're older. You've right. experienced more in life. You, you have different beliefs. You have different things that happen to you that would shape your beliefs and your ideals. So that all makes, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and uh, you know, the, I guess uh, an analogy that I'm thinking of um, that you can tell me if it's uh, uh, accurate or not. And like, for example, I'm a big fan of, uh, uh, and I'm not sure if you're aware of uh, Tim Pool. He's a um, YouTube uh, news pundit, more yeah, commentary, yeah, yeah, news yeah, commentary yeah, yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm pretty uh, uh, into politics. So I've, I, I have a lot of different sources, but he's kind of my, my main guy. And not that he's infallible, not that I agree with everything that he says, but that's, you know, that's, uh, uh, has a big influence on how I view the world and view current events and things like that. Um, and, and that's pretty much as far as it goes. And even though it is a significant part of, you know, my, uh, or, or rather the, the, the political beliefs and opinions that will come from this type of content make up a, a decent amount of who I am but that being said, it doesn't mean that I'm I uh, you know I that I believe Tim Pool is is is, is a god. And even if some people do, that doesn't that doesn't mean that anyone who thinks uh, Tim Pool's content is good is 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 off the deep end. And I think the the comparison is again we uh, you know you not necessarily falling into the specific category of of uh, a theist. Um, I, I, I just, I, I wish there was a bigger, uh, space for that type of, uh, thinking and community and, 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 uh, uh, all, all of that stuff, a bigger space for that to exist and flourish specifically away from the, the dogma. And while I can, you know, obviously the teachings of Jesus and, and the good things that we like about the Bible are in fact good, I, I think a fundamental uh, uh, pairing with that stuff and the concept of faith and, and believing without evidence is, is what connects it to the extremists and the fundamentalists and all of that stuff. Yeah. And, and so I'm still uh, left wondering why, uh, you know, why it, it, why it needs to and again, I, and not for, for you specifically, but I'm, I guess I'm speaking more generally uh, and, and, and to listeners, if you're a Christian, uh, do, you, do you necessarily need to be a Christian to still be who you are? You <laughs> necessarily need to call yourself a Christian in order to believe the things that you believe. Um, and and oh, on top are, of that- Right up my alley, go ahead. I, I, I would, uh, just to finish with, on top of that, if, if we- agree on, you know, what a Christian is in terms of uh, bringing it back to the Bible, do you really want to be that type of Christian? And so I think when, when these questions come up and it's like, well, yeah, but I mean, it's the, the you know, it's Christian, I'm, it's a Christian, it's God, it's all that stuff, God's love. It's, well, no, God, that's not what, that's not what that means. God is a very uh, specific and loaded word. And while many of us, myself included, see that uh, uh, would agree with that sentiment and, and whether or not uh, we agree, you know, we have the exact same picture in our minds. Um, but, you know, God is love. There's something bigger than us that connects us all. That there's a, 
a lot a, a lot of us atheists alike believe in that without evidence but no, that that's where that ends and the morality is separate from that when it gets tied together then you have you know god of gaps and 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 uh, uh which is just you know in for for normal people just you know being what they call and or what they consider good christian is is fine they're just acting like normal people but like it, it like i said it only takes that one crazy person or that one sect of crazy people to take what you're saying like oh this is the word of god this is a, a, a the 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 infallible word of the creator of the universe it just doesn't leave enough room in my opinion for uh honest and uh you know uh genuine uh um what's the word i i guess uh use your word of uh dissection of these things when, when you were talking i'm thinking i'm, I'm picturing um my website, um, thebarefootministries.org. Go ahead and go to it anytime you want. Um, but on the website, and there's there's a page for this for this book. And I put in there, and, and as you're talking, I'm going, oh man, this is on. I put in there if if taking what's in the book about, we'll just say about the um, the miracle birth of Jesus. It's only mentioned in two of the four gospels, and in those two gospels, it contradicts itself all over the place, why they had to get to Bethlehem, how they got to Bethlehem, what took them there historically. And, and then there's contradictions from the historical standpoint, there's contradictions in, in where they were, where Jesus was, where he, so if you, if, if we accept that, Mike, and I pose these questions and I have maybe a half a dozen discussion questions and I call them discussion points. Can someone call themselves a Christian if they don't believe in the virgin birth? Can someone call themselves a Christian if they don't believe in the Holy Trinity? Can someone call themselves a Christian if they don't believe in the physical resurrection? Can someone call themselves, I'm, I'm picturing this in my mind, so bear with me. Can someone call themselves a Christian if they don't believe that Jesus is literally God's son? And so, and, and I put in there bulleted points about what I bring out in the book, where it's highlighted, where the contradictions are, where the discrepancies are. And then, and I leave it as an open-ended question in that, you know, I'm not here to say you can't call yourself a Christian, but is it possible for someone like me? In other words, I guess a, a, a more honest way to ask, to, let me ask you this. Would you call me a Christian? No. If I told you I didn't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus, you would see me as someone. How can you be a Christian if you don't believe in that? Taking now, going back to the definition of a Christian, someone who follows the teachings of Jesus Christ. If I follow the teachings of Jesus, is there anywhere in there that says what I have to believe? Do I have to believe in the Trinity? Do I have to believe in? Well, so for me, that that's right. That's how I can kind of wiggle out. And I, I, I know that's like <laughs> a shit way of doing it. But to say, listen, I can still believe in the teachings of this guy. And I'm not worried about going to hell because I don't consider myself, a, you know, a Christian who believes everything. And if you want to throw one more wrench into the work, in, into the works just for for your listeners and, and for you maybe you please have heard have you ever heard of the jesus seminar i may i'm, I'm sure i've heard of it before the, but the, but the jesus uh, seminar please. took place at uh, the end of the last century god now i sound old so we're going back into the, it started i think in the mid 80s went through the 90s and i think they still met in up to like 2000 2001 2002 it was a group of over 150 scholars i'm talking 
and, and from every denomination, every walk of life, every belief, and they looked at every single verse in, in the uh, Gospels. They looked at everything Jesus said, everything he's attributed to doing, every, everything in there, they, they looked at it, and they voted. And they voted by, because they couldn't say he definitely, he absolutely could have never done this, or he absolutely did do it. We're too far away, and we didn't have, CNN wasn't around back then to capture everything Jesus <laughs> was doing, right? So yeah, they, they most likely did it, most likely didn't do it or say it, could have said it, or probably did, probably said it, or probably didn't. They were the four criterias. When they were done meeting, and it took decades that they, you know, over 15 years that they met, they came away with what they believe. And these were people from all over the world, every Christian denomination and belief. So it wasn't all just Christians, uh, theologians, biblical scholars. Uh, we're talking everyone and mm -hmm. regular people. They came away with the conclusion that 18% of what is attributed to Jesus saying or doing in the gospels, he actually said, or was likely to have said or done 18. We're talking less than 20%. Now, if you hop on a plane and the pilot comes on and tells you, <laughs> we have about an 18% chance of landing at the airport that we're going to sit back and enjoy the flight, right? But I'm so, out of there. So that's why I think it's important for people to understand. It's not, when I was a cop, it was the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. The letter mm -hmm. of the law was this. Well, if I stopped someone and they had a half a, they had a little, a nickel or a dime bag of weed, letter of the law says, no, I'm, hey, you know what? Why don't you dump it over here and let it get out of here? Man, I wish you were the cop that I got. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, need, I, need, I needed that cop when I was a kid too, believe me. Um, so, so there's the spirit of the law and, and there's the spirit of what is the message? What are the teachings? What is the bigger picture here that's trying to be portrayed? What can we learn from it? What can we learn from what was written and what, are there examples that we can live our lives so that we're more loving, so that we're more hospitable, we're more forgiving, we show more mercy and more grace to our neighbor? Man, I'm all for that. So that's the way I view it, if that makes sense. It, it makes perfect sense, uh, it, it, except for one thing. Go ahead. Because, you, you know, you, you bring it all back to the teachings of Jesus. Right. And the implication is that they are solely Jesus's teachings. And, and I think, I, I think that is where the disconnect is for me, because, you know, we, you know, for, uh, are you familiar with, um, uh, Sam Harris? He was, oh, back yeah. in the, Sam Harris, may he so, rest in peace. <laughs> so the, uh, so I think you might be thinking of, uh, Hitchens, Christopher Hitchens. Hitchens that's but, right. Yeah. Harry, yeah. So Hitchens, Sam, yes, Sam Harris yes. came a little later. He's still, uh, yes. still alive, right. but, yes. um, so, uh, same kind of, same kind of group though, but, yeah. Um, so he wrote a book called The Moral Landscape, Moral and landscape. It's, it's basically just about, you know, how do we uh, 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 approach morality from a secular uh, perspective? Exactly. And, you know, he's a, a neurologist. And, and the, the long and short of it is just that, um, you know, we, we, we can't, uh, you know, the, the big problem with uh, philosophy is that you can't um, derive an ought from an is. And so you can learn all the facts about the universe, but that doesn't tell you what you should do or what you ought right. to do. Um, and so that's where, uh, many people believe that religion comes in and, and, and that's uh, where you get the should. Um, but the contention with the moral landscape is that, yes, that may be true. However, if we can all agree to the basic standard that sentient beings prefer well-being over, uh, suffering, then 
there isn't really a meaningful uh, 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 definition of morality that doesn't fit there. And, and so we can understand that, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the neuro neurological pain impulses if uh, somebody uh, punches you. And even from a completely selfish uh, uh, perspective, ow, that hurt. I don't want that to, to happen again. I don't want to live in a world where people punch other people, so I'm not going to punch anybody. My point is, why do we need, in the same way I was asking, why do we need uh, uh, Mark if, if his, uh, uh, his big message is something that we still can't, can't nail down, why do we need Jesus if we can get these, these things uh, uh, in other ways? And tying it back to Jesus comes with all the baggage that, that we've been talking about. I want to call it a, I want to call it a need. Um, this, in the same way we can, we can learn lessons from Aesop's fables. Mm -hmm. In the same way we can learn, I love Buddhist teachings, um, Hindu. <laughs> so, yes. So it's not that we need these to be good people. It's not that we need these in society. I mean, if, if you take, take a look, you know, the moral majority that, that came about in the 80s and, the, and it, which became the Christian right and now it's the fundamentalist. They believe without the church, we are going to be morally bankrupt mm -hmm. without G and specifically not just without God now. Let's get specific without Jesus. We're not talking about the, the God of Abraham, which we have three mm -hmm. religions that come off of. No, no, no. Those two, forget it. We're talking <laughs> Christianity, right? We're going to be, right. they believe without Christianity, we're the world, the U S is doomed because we're going to fall, fall into moral bankruptcy. I look at this as just another piece of a larger, larger puzzle. For me, I enjoy the writings of, of an atheist, just as much as I would enjoy the writings and, and the philosophy that comes along with that, your philosophy is I'm learning from you and I got 30 years on you in, in experience on this life. So I, I, I think of myself as my wife calls me a sponge because I'm always trying to learn, but I gain as much insight. So if I can take a little bit here, it's kind of like going to a buffet. Mm -hmm. you know, this is not yeah, absolutely where you're, you're forced to eat what they put in front of you. The fixed you know, menu. Try, yeah. try this, you know, I take it back to your plate. Now I didn't care for it. All right, then don't go back and get it. But I really like the, the uh, roast beef carving station. Fill that plate up. So, so for me, it's, and I might be allergic to shellfish. So I'm going to stay the hell away from the shrimp. Right. So for me, it's more along those lines where I can learn a little bit. It's not that I need the Bible. I don't need the new Testament. I don't need the gospels. I, I don't need any of the teachings of Paul to make me who I am to know that, well, I know that you shouldn't do this. I know you shouldn't treat someone like this. I, and I think too many people fall back on it and they live in a box and religion offers a lot of comfort in that box mm -hmm. because all I have to do is believe what's inside of this box. And as long as I fill the box with just this, well, now it's not confusing because God, I just got to open my Bible and it says here, in first Timothy, this is what you should do. So because it says it, that's how I'm going to do this. And that's what religion, my opinion, again, opinions, my dad said opinions are like assholes. Everyone has, everybody's them, got one. Think, right. <laughs> um, inside that box. And it gave it to me back in the day. It, it, I was comfortable being there. It was, it provided comfort. It provided safety. Remember, yeah. When someone deconstructs, they're losing safety, security, and certainty. I can tell you firsthand, firsthand you that, that way it's hard. Yeah. I can tell you firsthand that I, there's times in, in the past uh, 10 years 
that I wish I had that faith back with that, the, the, that feeling that yeah. I could appeal to somebody that was listening, that cared, that could do something about it. And I, I, that's definitely something that I miss, but obviously not believing that it's real. It, 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 it's, it's not quite the same, you know? It, it, uh, exactly. It, but it's so, so you, so again, I'm preaching to the choir because you were there and, and it feels nice to be secure and safe. And there, there's a social structure with church and, and you feel welcomed. You feel like you, yeah, but you know, you know what else feels really nice? Freedom for me. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what else feels really nice? Um, being on heroin. Well, there, so, okay. There you go. So, but yeah, it comes so with a lot of baggage, comes doesn't with it? A lot of baggage. Yeah. And you can so feel that's a great good. analogy. You can, I, I stole it from Matt Dillahunty. So <laughs> from the, at the experience, so I can't take credit for it. Um, but, uh, and, uh, I haven't actually ever done heroin and got close, but never, um, and, and so the comfort that, uh, you know, again, to, to borrow from either Sam Harris or Matt Dillahunty, the, the, uh, you know, the question of if my uh, mom was on her uh, deathbed and, and, and she was saying, before I die, all I, uh, all I need is, is to know that you've, 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 you've go, gone over this, this, phase, uh, this phase and that you've accepted Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I absolutely would lie to her and make her yeah. feel good because what point is there to be right you're in that, in that context? Right. That's, that's and that's uh, the point. And this is similar to the the um, the uh, the theme of uh, the Ricky Gervais movie, The Invention of Lying. That's basically uh, what it is. His mom is scared to die, and, or they live in this world where lies don't exist. And then he uh, his mom's dying, and then he's like, "Oh no!" It's, and she's scared. And he's like, "It's all it's going to be fine." And there's rainbows, and then really, and then some of the nurses hear him, and that and because there's no such thing as lying, this this message spreads, and he becomes a a, a prophet, and so on and so forth, based on a lie, and maybe the teachings of, of Jesus uh, are, are not lies, but the, the uh, as you just mentioned, um, from, from the, the, uh, that, that, uh, that, or that meeting, only 18% can, can be attributed to Jesus. So when you're saying you're following the teachings of Jesus, how do you even know that you are? You're just, you're, what you are following the teachings that are attributed to attributed Jesus. To Jesus but that's are not exclusive long. to that's Jesus. Too, that's too long to put on a nameplate. So I, I'll, I'll attribute that. But they are attributed. It's called being Jesus. an agnostic atheist. <laughs> so, so remember I said how things were passed down orally generation mm -hmm. to generation. You and I have this experience today talking through the miracle of technology. You're in one part of the state. I'm in another part of the state. And we can talk live. And who would have thought about this, at least when I was in school? This is like the Jetsons cartoons. <laughs> You're going to talk about this later in the day. When we're all done, my wife's going to say what happened. Maybe later tonight, someone's going to say what happened. I'm going to explain how interesting you were, um, how you're a dog trainer, how much we had in common. We live in the same state, all this stuff. They might tell someone. Just because it's not exact doesn't mean that truth of you being an interesting person isn't there. And if I can use, if someone takes my words, but twists them to make you, you're still that interesting person that trains dogs and you're, you're still really you. nice to, to you, but so, but, but that's, that's how I'm portraying but that's, it. So that, but that's, but that's something subjective. Yeah. So we're I'm talking about, you. this is all subjective. 
Well, that's that. That's my. That. Yeah. I'm not disputing <laughs> so, that. So my point is that I'm not you know nuts. when when. <laughs> so like let's you know to take your example let's say you know somebody uh um that has their own book was you know interested in the idea and they they want to come on the platform and they so you uh, after this they, they ask you how, how did it go and 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 uh you know maybe you don't recount exactly what we said like you know when right. we were uh saying about you know when i was in middle school you're not going to remember exactly um i mean it will be on youtube in a couple hours but <laughs> um it, the uh the relating the message that um you know uh, you you had a good time and and uh we we got along and 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 all that stuff is is not something that can be refuted because it's your opinion and i i don't want morality to be that of opinion i don't I, want I, i'm not i'm not saying it for morality's sake well, but but that's what I'm saying. You're you're using this as as an analogy, and and where I'm saying I, I'm saying you're you're even though you know you're not remembering the uh, exact uh, objective facts about the conversation you taking and sending that message is still true. While I agree with you, I don't think that can be compared to what we're talking about and and calling the teachings of Jesus, um, and uh, because we're putting the too much weight on the Jesus part and not, not uh, and, and on the teachings part. And, and that I understand. I find beauty. I think I think I think the gospels are are beautiful works of art. Do I think they're historically it, it's a historical book? I don't read it as a historical book. Mm -hmm. So just as like I wouldn't read um, a, a philosophy book from from back in the time, you know, before the common era as, as a or a novel or, or a novel. Right. Um, I read it for what I get out of it and where I find enjoyment. And in that, it allows me to say, wow, it allows me some introspect to think about me. And if at the end of the day, I can think about, have I made the world a little better or a little worse for me? And, and not based on, on to, to please God, but mm, right. did I do it for me. Did I help someone out? Because damn it, that's, that's where, if I think if we all live like that, we, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in right now. Yeah, so for definitely. me, I see the Gospels as more literary works that are trying to portray, give a message, just like, like I said, Aesop's fables. There's a, there's a story in there. There, there. It's a fable, right? What's the lesson to be learned? Right. It doesn't mean that there was really a talking tortoise and a talking hare. I don't I, I can I can go past that and not say, well, this can't make any sense because after all, turtles can't talk and rabbits can't talk but i can look at the storyline and say what was the writer trying to convey and can i use that in some meaningful way and or do i just find it enjoyable to read so what if taking that example society now was was uh turning based on the uh the the facts of that fable even mean, though the fable mean, still has a good mean, message it would be extremely important for us uh, just as as uh you know developing uh, uh technology and 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 uh, the advancement of humanity it would be important for us to know the truths about the world and so we can still take that fable as as a work of fiction and put it on the list of other uh uh fiction or nonfiction things that uh that that you know at that buffet and so i mean 
you know, I, I'm more, uh, I think, playing uh, devil's advocate more than, than than directing these questions directly at you, because like I said, Look, I think I, I was a cop. I was a detective. You're like a defense <laughs> attorney. Bring on the cross-examination, counselor. Let's go. Well, uh, well, I, I love it because, like I said, I wish more people had the, the um, you know, if, if, if we're going to keep Christi Christianity and those religious words around, I would much rather it be your brand of Christianity, where you're separating, uh, you know, the, the, um, the, the objective physical parts and, and, and what the message is and what, what, you, what you get out of it personally and, and all that. I, I think that's fine, as long as it doesn't connect itself to the, all the other stuff. But as long as it does, then it seems to me that uh, we that uh, we can't afford to just let it go on. And, and, and it, it, it's maybe a maybe there will be a period of growing pains where uh, otherwise religious people now have to go through the same uh, uh, growth that a lot of atheists have where they they lost their faith and then had to develop their okay. morality on their own realizing that they had already done that because they already looked at the the, the uh, dogmatic book and they already are picking and choosing which ones they like. But once that that uh, underpinning is taken away, it you really feel out in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, well, can I just go murder people? Is, you know, nobody's gonna stop me and there's no hell, so why not? And then, you know, then you have to go down further into the the, the actual reasons and and have reasons. And just like the dog listening because, uh, uh, you know, because of that intrinsic uh, value, when you live according to your, your values, based on having really questioned them and broken them down and tested them, then you can be uh, confident in them. And, and you don't have to, to, to outsource your thinking to, uh, to another being. You don't have to outsource your morality to, to, to anyone else. You can be the arbiter of, of, the how morality plays out and, in and your life and you hit the nail on the head if i need the fear of a mystical guy in the sky who's going to strike me down or is i'm not going to be invited to the big party at the end of all this if i kill someone if my only reason to not kill someone murder someone in cold blood is because i'm afraid of what god is going to do there's something inside here that is way wrong um I would say for someone um, like you, like my son, who's about your same age, we, it took us 2000 years to get to where we are. There will be growing pains. And I think I, the way you put growing pains, I thought that was, that was perfect, but it took 2000 years to get here. I don't think it's gonna happen in your generation or the next, however, that doesn't mean there can't be a shift. I remember when I said- I agree. The earliest Christians, more and I can't say right. this because I wasn't around back then. Did they see Jesus as God? I, no one saw that. No, did they think that he was born of a virgin? That's not even written about until until sixty years after his death. Or so, Joseph. <laughs> yeah. Or, so so I, th there's. I think a healthier faith would help all of us, and I'll call it a healthier faith, not a better faith. And 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 to also not look down at people who have no faith. This idea that somehow Christians are up here and all the other world religions are down here. And then below all them, by the way, are you heathen, <laughs> yep. you know, who, who are going to burn for eternity in some fiery pit? Where is that? Where's the love? Where? And some mm -hmm. will say, well, that you have to. It's tough love. Bullshit. It's 
you know, until we accept the fact that why can't we, I'm going to go back to Rodney King, which you don't even remember but when he was getting, uh, I was, a, we, I was well, alive. Okay. <laughs> you know, why can't we just get, work on getting along and accepting what, what you like, I, why can't I accept your belief without thinking there's anything less than you? And I'm going to be perfectly right. honest with you. There was a time in my life because of the way I was raised when if someone didn't have a belief, well, there was something wrong with you. And my, it wasn't like I was some evangelist, but my job was to try to come on. Why don't you come to church with us to this morning? And I've turned, you know, it's really cool. We have this great youth group and man, we, because I felt that, that, you know, I had some responsibility. Well, if, if Christians are worried, if, if their end game is, right. is, 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 is salvation, is, is salvation and eternal life, why are you so worried about what you? I believe? Well, I mean, I, I, I if, and, and again, I get game, that. If if you're you're if you're the uh, believe what I want, I want to let you believe what you want. Now there are some that would say, wait a minute, and I think it was was a Penner Teller gave this analogy, that if he was and he he thanked the person who was who was a Christian who said this, who said who tried to convert him, and he said, look, if I was standing in the road and a bus was coming, I would want you to say, hey, this person believes there's a bus coming, so he wants to warn me that hey, you know, you're standing in the street, get out of the street before something bad happens. So I get that part. But I don't get the part about making someone less of a person because of their beliefs or lack of beliefs. That goes up my rear end sideways. Yeah, and and I uh, again, I was definitely guilty of that early on. In not 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 so much when I was religious, because again, when I was in the Catholic Church, I wasn't really into it. And then uh, when I was into it, it was uh, the the Methodist Church was uh, which was a lot more open. Um, and it was in those early days of atheism, though, that I felt like I had right. to, you, you to, to uh, evangelize straight. You were going right. to set everyone straight. But I mean, even, you know, breaking it down, if you truly believe that I'm going to burn forever, well, if I don't accept what you're saying, well, I kind I, I, it makes sense to me why you, why you feel that need. Now, right. if you could have that conversation to a point where it didn't end in some type of, of uh, mental gymnastics that neither of us are going, you know, neither of us are going to accept, then, then, um, you know, it would be more acceptable, but it's, it's the, uh, the arrogance, if I may say so, that you do have the right answers, whether, you know, yeah, that's just which it. answers you think you have. And, and who am I to say I have the right answers? I, you know, this book, I mean, granted, I only used what was written in the gospels, but I'm not saying this is the, be I'm not, and I, I, and just for your listeners, so they know, I'm not trying to push any agenda in this book. I'm, I laid out there as a trial, as if doubt is personified, doubt is on trial, and doubt is defending his life because the church has blamed doubt for the decline in membership over the decades so the church wants to put doubt to death because doubt is responsible and the reason for the church's decline and doubt is trying to say hey this is why i'm here and i'm going to use the new testament as to show you why doubt is necessary in life so i accept doubt. i honor doubt i'm a doubting person myself maybe because i was a cop for 25 years and cops are notoriously cynical sobs to begin with but there's I like, I like the word skeptical. I'm a skeptic. skeptical. There you go. So you're a skeptic. So there you go. And one, one, my favorite Bible, you know, what, there's so many versions of the Bible. My favorite, favorite version of the Bible is the skeptics Bible. I don't know if you've ever read that. I think the last thing I've heard of it, but I is Wells. I think Wells, and it has a lot of the things that I bring out all the, um, 
the contradictions, all the discrepancies, all the historical errors, all the times that God is responsible for killing people, like taking credit for it. Like I got, you know, it's like we're playing GTA and, and I got credit for killing, you know, this many hoes and, you know, it's so, yeah. So that's my, that's my favorite version of the Bible. So I, so I like the idea of doubt. I think doubt has served us well as a human race for all this time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, 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 I doubt that we will uh, find a point on which uh, we agree more than that. Um, I mean, we could go all day. I could talk about this all day, and you are uh, uh, a pleasure. Um, uh, I, uh, you said you've got some other books, so you know you've got an open invitation to come back. And uh, oh, you know, you are too yeah. kind. I, now, what um, is the name? Just so that I mean, you're your viewers on YouTube know, what is the, the name of your, so, cause I'm gonna put, blast this out on social media. What is the name of your YouTube channel? So it's just called, I didn't read your book podcast. Okay. It's just the name, Perfect. yep. Um, so uh, two last things. So I wanna ask you one last thing about the question, uh, about the book and then um, um, uh, we'll get all your uh, socials and, and, and all that stuff. With, uh, with, with this book, uh, focusing on the doubt of specifically the New Testament, whether, regardless of where the person is coming from, what is it, if you could boil it down to, you know, a sentence or, or a couple, what is it that you hope that, that anybody can take from this? Be open-minded. Um, you probably could, and maybe you've never heard this term, but, you know, being in clergy, I've heard it. There's this transactional theology, and I call it vending machine theology. God does something for you. You must do something for God. You do something for God. Therefore, God will do something for you. I alluded to this with the Santa Claus analogy mm -hmm, at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Our prayers, our lists are our prayers. We send them up. We wait for Christmas. Everything is Christmas morning. I felt a sense of freedom. I felt a sense of, of joy, of, of growth in a way like never before when I traded my transa the transactional theology for transformational faith, where faith transforms me. I'm not trying to, to do anything else, but just be the kind of person that, that I want to be. Um, you know, the, the Buddhist would say it's all about, you know, it all starts with you and there's always reasons for how this, how this can transform me into just living the best life that I can be. I want to live life to the, to the fullest. And so this book, I hope will open, I hope it will open eyes and open hearts the open hearts is probably going to be a lot harder, but just open eyes to understand that, Hey, let's be open. Let's be open-minded mm -hmm. to what's out there. Not be so close-minded that think we have all the answers or this book contains all the answers because damn it, there's a lot more to life than a collection of books that was written over a period of 1100 years. And the last of those was written almost 2000 years ago. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a, a simple yet very poignant message that uh, gets lost uh, in, in, in this space, um, you know, being, uh, there's, there's just so much fluff around all of it, uh, that can, especially, you know, from the outside as an atheist, it's like, what, what are you guys doing over there? Um, but as, as I, I mentioned, I would love a, uh, or I would much prefer a world where, um, you know, the, the, the worst, uh, for lack of a better word of Christianity is the the type of uh, um, you know philosophy that you are talking about, and uh, I you know 
while I uh, also am, you know, not going to to push anything on anyone, I do uh, uh, implore anybody who's listening, um, of course, to to uh, buy the book and 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 see uh, exactly what Rusty has to say in it. But also, really ask yourself those those hard questions. Are you just a Christian out of convenience? What do you really believe? Why do you believe it? How do you know these things? How do you know that uh, all of these the, the things that we've gone over? It's really really easy to just take the answers that are given. And, and because you may not be, uh, you know, the most diehard, you know, because religion may not be your biggest thing. It's just, you know, it's the kind of thing that you, you, you tuck away, but because it, again, the beliefs are tied so closely to actions and action actions is morality, which is much bigger than, than, um, you know, than the beliefs that, 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 uh, uh, come from the, or that lead to those actions. But the, the entire, your world perspective, the way you view everything, the way you talk yeah. to people, the way you see yourself, all of these things, um, you know, it, it, I think it's, it's a lot healthier, uh, to use your word, in, in, in the way that you're doing it than um, I think the way uh, a lot of other people are. Oh, um, so I'm not, I'm not going to ask you or anyone else to, to, uh, to not believe uh, in, in God. I, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty much makes sense to me that there's probably not a God, but I doesn't really make too much sense that there's absolutely nothing. So there you go. Hey, just be I, nice to each other. I want to just dovetail on something. And when you said, I don't know if you saw my eyes, you said, I think you said a Christian of convenience or out of, out of convenience or a Christian. I call that, I came up with a term for that. It's a policy holding Christian. It's fire insurance. If yeah. I'm a Christian. Yeah. I'm not going to burn in hell. Well, it's, so, it's yeah, it's so Pascal's it's, wager. It's, it's you know th that's that's exactly it. So it's as long as I have this, I'm not I'm not going to burn in hell. So I have I have an insurance policy, and what a shame that there are. And but and I'm not saying it's a shame as a way to say um I know more than those. Right. But but to live in that kind of fear and guilt, and we're all worthy. We are all good people. The the the, the guilt that's laid on people some some religions, some denominations of Christianity, that you are worthless and without God, you're nothing. And you're a rotten human being. And you were sinful from the moment you took your first breath. That's, that's the kind of theology that, that I think is just so harmful and so wrong. And, and is just so dangerous that creates mental instability, if not mental illness. And just, and you, and we can go down this rabbit hole, but it, it just causes a lot of shit. So yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Definitely. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, this was, this was great. I, I, uh, really appreciate your work. I appreciate that. This is what you're doing, uh, with your retirement. And, um, again, the more of this, uh, you know, it's not my message. If we can get, if we can get rid of the, the religion altogether, that would be ideal. But like you said, that's not going to happen in my lifetime. Um, which, which I, again, I'm fine with. And if it can be, um, uh, again, your brand of, of Christianity rather than, than some other uh, brands of, of dogma that, that, that lead to all of that stuff, we'd be in a much better world. And uh, um, yeah, I, I guess I'd say that we'd just be in a better world. It's that simple. You just summarized the last chapter of the book. Thank you, man. <laughs> so definitely, uh, definitely go out and get it with the title one more time. Uh, what was the title? Doubt on Trial. And the subtitle is An Agnostic Minister's Case for Questioning the Bible. Title here. Go. I'm still working on the, all the, I'll get a picture of it and all that stuff. Yeah. But I appreciate that, man. Uh, yeah. Um, 
So if, uh, if there's, so uh, what are the names of your other books? Where can people find you? Uh, please, floor well, is yours. The best, the best place to start Amazon, right? Click that add to cart button. No, I'm just, you know, there's, uh, I made, and I made this affordable for a reason and there will be a sale probably towards the end of this month. So if your listeners, your viewers want to wait, it'll, the Kindle version will probably be like $2.99. Um, so Amazon, it's all available on Amazon. Um, the other book, I was published by a Christian publisher, my previous two books. Christian publisher has been indicted, was indicted over a year ago for thousands and thousands of cases of fraud um, for not giving any royalties. To so those books, even though I, I wrote them, you still might be able to find a book I wrote about fostering shelter dogs. Um, my wife and I foster dogs and it's called Pee, Poop, Heartache and Love. Life Lessons <laughs> Learned from Fostering Shelter that. Dogs. You, you might enjoy that one. Um, you can find me on Facebook. It's just Rusty Williams. There is a Facebook page for the book called A Safe Place for Doubt. And there's no trolls allowed. I monitor it multiple times a day. It's where people can share their doubts, their fears, their concerns, whatever it is. And I try to post regularly there. Um, you're an Instagram guy, man. And I, I'm 60 years old. I'm an old fart. <laughs> I have an Instagram account. You saw it. If, you know, I try to keep up with it. Um, I just don't take a lot of pictures like uh, all the, all, it's the all about the memes do. these days, man. All, all it's the I actually just downloaded a meme generator. So watch out, man. Ah, I'm going to start generating memes. So nice, and and nice. again, the website is um, yes. the barefootministries.org. Um, and that takes you, there's a, a, an about me page. If you want to learn more about my theology, my beliefs, but there's also stuff about the books. There's a discussion page on there. Like I was saying earlier, where you can learn about, yourself. Hey, can I really be a Christian if I believe or I don't believe this? So that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me unless I give my address because I'm on a little far <laughs> and this is all I know, man. Hey, you should start a podcast, man. Yeah. I actually yep. I had a uh, you can also find I do have a YouTube channel, uh Rusty Williams. Um and in that there are all my I had a radio show with Voice America Talk Radio oh. uh, up until about a year and a half ago. So yeah, you're pretty the, good at this. All, all those, all those, and they were turned into podcasts. And they've all then I had like you'll do, well, you have a video. I had to add stuff on my son, who is my IT department, had to show me how to put pictures into iMovie and tournament. So you can also look look for them. And if you're interested, it's called, or you can search um thinking hypnotically living mindfully that's the name of the the radio show so thinking hypnotically heard living mindfully so that that's that's my show cool cool so all, all that, that stuff, stuff um, all that stuff and I would all just, that stuff I would, will be linked below so perfect. um and I would please just urge, go can i just uh, just a message to, please, to the people please. because Laura's yours. You're, you're doing great work but to be as open-minded as you can and i believe for so long that i was a worthless piece of crap you're not worthless. You are worthy of love. You're worthy of being who you are, having fun. And just, my God, this trip around the sun we get every year, we don't know how many of these we have left. It took me to have a tumor in my spinal cord to finally realize that I need to slow down and appreciate every day and every moment of the day. So, hey, there's my preaching, right? Here's my pulpit. But just enjoy life, man. Just go out. And if you're not hurting anyone, go for it. Have fun. Enjoy life. Beautiful, beautiful. I don't think we can end on a better note than that. So uh, thank you uh, again for coming. 
and um, I'm sure I'm sure we'll be in touch. And uh, yeah. uh, you know, when when things clear up a little more, I'd love to. Uh, since we're both in in Jersey, I'm sure we could meet uh, Jersey, halfway and grab a beer. I love it, man. Great, right. man. Well, thank this you. was awesome. Th yes, thank you, thank you so much for coming on. And um, like I said, so uh, uh, and uh, yeah, that'll be the our which I think we're already on the seventh episode. We're rolling, guys. All right. Again, Rusky, thank you so, so much. All right. And once again, that was Rusty Williams with Doubt on Trial. Uh, so definitely, definitely check that out. That was, uh, that was really cool. Yeah. Me and him just uh, after finished recording, we were just chatting for about half an hour. Um, that, that, that was really cool. And uh, dad, I'm talking to you. This one is uh, definitely one that I, I really want you to to uh, sink your teeth into. I, I think that between not just you and I, Dad, uh, but you and uh, Rusty, there's, there's so much in common. And the, the conversation that uh, I talked about in the episode that, we're, that we uh, have that's been ongoing, um, I think that it's a, another tool for for us to see the the ideas and uh, just for what they are and 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 strip away the personal connections and and stuff like that um, and uh, you know if you are an atheist and you uh, uh, or, or just any type of big cultural difference between yourself and and the people you love I can't express how just how uh, fulfilling it is to at least open that door and be able to express yourself and and uh, not to say that I've convinced anyone of anything at any point. I, I mean, just but just being understand that, oh, that's what you think? Okay, that's a cool thing to think. That in and of itself, oh, that makes sense. That kind of, I don't know if I agree with you, but yeah, I, I can see just that little bit. And if, you, if, if you're religious and you can't relate to that because you, you, your thoughts are uh, 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 mainstream in terms of religion, then I hope this was a, a, a good peek into what that was, because even though, uh, you know, Rusty is a, uh, a minister, I, I, I definitely think that he has a, uh, I, I think the, the worldview of most atheists, the type of atheists that I would like to uh, uh, associate myself with. There's plenty of atheists that I have, want to have nothing to do with. Um, but the type of atheist where you have uh, taken morality and seen that religion was the big, big game in town, tried it out, seen, wait a minute, this doesn't really fit, thrown that out, and then beyond that, have gone through and, and, and still made morality something that is a big part of your life. Those people, I think, have a lot more in common with, with uh, someone like Rusty than the the person who uh, is even not even a fundamental you know not even like a fundamentalist but but the average average person who believes that uh, when you uh, when you pray that there is somebody there is a being who is uh, understanding your words and 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 deciding whether or not to answer your prayers I I think what I'm realizing or what I think I'm realizing is that. That is, uh, that's becoming less and less common, which is a good thing. 
But the bad thing is that it's not going uh, by the wayside and being replaced with a secular morality that anybody can can uh, lock onto. It's just turning into this more watered down version of Christianity or religion. Um, but like Rusty said, it's not going to happen overnight. And it seems to me like this that uh, that we're at a a that we're that we're in the process. That we're in the process, and uh, maybe not in my lifetime, but hopefully sometime soon, the idea of of religion can be completely uh, uh, torn away from morality, and we can understand morality as a scientific and uh, philosophical pursuit, and that's all it needs to be. That's all it needs to be. Um, thank you once again for coming and listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. If you uh, like the book, please uh, click the link. Get, uh, you know, get it out there. Uh, learn how to think about your own thoughts so that you can talk about them too. Um, I, I, I'm speechless. I'm just thinking about all, the, all, all this stuff. This is a really great conversation uh, and, and there's a lot running around in my head. So I'm gonna uh, run off and, 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 and think about it all. Um, please uh, remember to like, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that stuff. And uh, I will be back next week. Take care.